Introducing a different mindset. Uh, the front page. Uh, Radio Free 102.3 JJLH. I told you we'd be right back. When I say we'll be right back, I mean we'll be right, right, right back. It's the front page. Radio Free 102.3 KJLH. And we have special guests in studio, so we're going to go right to them. We've been talking a lot uh, about the case of Kendrick McDade. We've been raising money here at KJLH and Steel R to help lay the young man to rest. Joining us this morning in the studio... Andre Coleman, he's the deputy editor at the Pasadena Weekly. He's worked as a professional and freelance reporter for almost 20 years. And Pasadena Police Chief Philip Sanchez, he served for 30 years with the Santa Monica Police Department, where he was deputy chief of police before coming to Pasadena in his current position as chief in 2010. Welcome. Good morning. Welcome. Well, I appreciate your being here. I know that, um, you know, it's... There's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of heat right now on this case. And this is KJLH, you know, kind of the heart of the black community. Um, people are pretty upset about the Kendrick McDade case. So we appreciate you coming and telling your side of the story. And, um, of course, uh, Andre, we appreciate you coming in and giving us that local coverage as Thanks well. Thanks for having me. Let's, let's start with the investigation, because I think this is probably right now where people's main concern is what... What is going on with the investigation? Who is investigating what happened? Um, and and how do we know that we will have transparency? That's a great question. Uh, there are actually a couple of different independent entities uh, that are investigating the incident uh, that occurred on uh, 24 March with Mr. McDade. Following the shooting, uh, immediately that night, uh, Pasadena Police Department started its independent investigation, which was later joined at my request uh, by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. They have an officer-involved shooting team. And so an attorney, a district attorney, and an investigator responded that night as well. The Los Angeles County Coroner's Office is investigating independent of the DA's office. And then Monday night, uh, I reached out to, well, last Monday night, reached out to the Office of Independent Review Group, so Mr. Michael Janako. Which is the Sheriff's Department arm, investigative arm, if you will. Right, and um, just a little background, in 2001, uh, the uh, OIR group was uh, was created by the Los Angeles County uh, Board of Supervisors to investigate uh, conduct and, and those kinds of things with the Los Angeles County Sheriffs. But I think that Mr. Janako uh, developed uh, such a, a, a credible reputation that other independent law enforcement agencies started to reach out, reach out to him immediately. And it seemed appropriate. It seemed prudent. And those kinds of overlays will actually ensure transparency. What's your feeling? Well, we're pretty familiar with the uh, Office of Independent Review because of the Mitrice Richardson case. And a lot of people that listen to this radio station have been less than pleased with the way that... Uh, investigation and follow-up has been handled. But um, having said that, how do you feel about a a federal uh, a federal investigation, as we've seen in the case of Trayvon Martin? I'm sure you're aware people are calling Kendrick McDay the Trayvon Martin of Southern California. Mm-hmm. How would you feel about bringing in the feds? Uh, it wouldn't bother me at all. In fact, the matter is I've called the feds. You have, and what was the response? The response is, is that they're looking over the information and ultimately will determine whether there'll be an investigation. Andre Coleman, what are we missing? I mean, we many of us don't read the local Pasadena papers. Maybe we're in Compton, maybe we're in Long Beach, maybe we're here in Inglewood. What are we missing about this story that is not being reported by the mainstream press? 
Well, you know, I think there has been a lot of transparency. Pasadena is a small town with big town politics. And a lot of people who don't live there don't understand that. Pasadena, you can reach out and you can call the police chief. Anybody can call the police chief. I've seen the chief meet with people. I've seen the previous chief meet with people. Um, that mood from Trayvon Martin is out there, but there are a lot of differences in this case and that case um, that people are that the mainstream uh, media is not reporting because they kind of really seem to want to connect the two incidents. Well, I you can say that, but as of, I mean, I don't claim to be an investigator or a cop. But there are, clearly there are similarities. I mean, the, the role of the 911 call, the fact that they're both teenagers, they're both dead, they're both unarmed, mm-hmm. they're both, you know, they're both probably would be alive if they were not black. I mean, I, I don't, you know, you can say it's a racial case or say it's not a racial case, but most of the time in those situations, that person would not be seen as that menacing by those officers if they weren't black. Well, I think one of the uh, one of the realities that we have to face is is that when you listen to uh, the 911 tapes, uh, the 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 caller provides uh, information instantaneously about what he sees. He provides the description of Mr. McDade and the minor involved. He provides the clothing and direction of travel. He provides the information about the firearm. Ultimately, we know now was fabricated. So while I think that there are similarities in the sense that there's 911 calls that uh, Mr. McDade and, and Kendrick were unarmed and those kinds of things, the similarities really stop there. The reality is is that uh, Mr. Carrillo, the caller, is an independent uh, and credible person at that point uh, when he notifies the Pasadena Police Department about what had occurred and the weapon that was involved. What, you know, will we be reviewing policies about 911 calls. I, mean, I was just doing reporting a story about this guy in Denver who was uh, shot and killed because the 911 operator told him to go back to the scene of the crime and he was shot by the guy in a road rage case. He's dead. Um, and then, of course, that's an extreme because they that 911 officer, they, they said he was already out of, out of policy, although there's an investigation going on. But you look at the situation in Sanford, where this guy's called 911 40-something times, and, you know, it's obviously, well, obviously to me, profiling young black people. And then here, in, in your case, in Pasadena, you've got someone lying to not the 911 oper- operator, and then, you know, the officers arriving on the scene assuming there are two guns, which, you know, you could say that they're more likely to use lethal force in that case. I mean, that you still hope that they use their professional judgment and don't just shoot on sight, especially from a car. But what needs to be changed? What can we change? Because you can't, I mean, anywhere else, you tell an officer something, they're not really going to take your word for it. They're going to do some investigating, right? Except on a 911 call? Well, I think you bring up some great points. Uh, uh, All aspects uh, of the incident are going to be reviewed from the the original call and our actions uh, in, in dispatch to the way that the information was communicated to the officers, to the way that the officers responded. That's all part of the investigation, and that will all be revealed ultimately as we continue, in particular as, as, as the Office of Independent Review Group looks at these kinds of things. And my own internal policies and my own internal 
uh, uh, training and those kinds of things will be reviewed as well. Uh, so I think that uh, uh, this is going to be a journey that that the city of Pasadena, the community, our great community of Pasadena, that we will have to take together. Uh, it's a journey that, that nobody can take for us. Sam, uh, Stanford, uh, Florida can't take this journey for us. Denver can't take this journey for us. This is a journey that Pasadena has to come together and, and, and start to uh, uh, not only start to heal, but also start to, with a critical eye, look at what our policies, practices, procedures, response, all those kinds of things are up for question. Philip Sanchez is the chief of police for the Pasadena Police Department. Andre Coleman, deputy editor at the Pasadena Weekly. You have a website, PasadenaWeekly.com? That's right. We'll link it up at DominiqueDeprima.com. We thank you for being here. Chief, uh, there's so many questions, but um, one of them being that Oscar Carrillo, the 911 caller, was arrested. And that's that highly unusual. Um, but now he's been released. And the DA so far saying they're not going to charge him. What does that mean? You say the DA is investigating, but yet they're letting this guy go without charges. It seems that, from a public perspective, makes it seem like, really, they're going to investigate when they don't even think he's worth holding or charging? Right. I, I think that's a, that is a great question and one that I think that brings a lot of, uh, about a lot of concern in our community. Uh, and um, the reality is that... Uh, once we discovered uh, that Mr. Carrillo had fabricated information, if you look at uh, involuntary manslaughter, the letter of the law, uh, 192B of the California Penal Code, uh, it, it, it suggests that uh, it describes uh, Mr. Carrillo's behavior. Uh, and, and that case was put together very, very quickly and submitted to the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office for review. Now, what we know as a point of fact uh, is that the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office has put the case aside for continued review. And so what that means is that they've not decided yet, because it is a complex case, whether they're going to prosecute Mr. Carrillo or not. It doesn't mean it's the end of their investigation or the end of their consideration for prosecution. Were you disappointed that he was back on the streets? Well, I think it's very hurtful for a lot of, particularly a lot of uh, people in, in Pasadena. The reality is, is that we, as, as Mr. Coleman had, had indicated a moment ago, we are a very tight-knit city in Pasadena. You know, we, we, we have great relationships with our, with our community members, with our youth. Uh, we have over 1,200 nonprofit organizations that are involved and focused in on the development of our young people and others who live, work, and visit in Pasadena. It's an eclectic city. And yet, it's it, it, over the years, it's 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 maintained its individualism, and yet we're we're in the middle of urban sprawl. But just like many other Southern California cities, the city of Pasadena, and this is for both of you, mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Coleman and Chief Sanchez, the city of Pasadena does have a history of racial strife between the community and the police. Um, and in fact, in the in the civil case, which the attorney for the family of Kendrick McDade has filed. She points out specifically some of these officers being what would what we would consider in the community problem officers because they have a history of beating up black people, killing black people. I mean, I'm, I'm putting it really bluntly mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not a an attorney or a police chief, but that plays a role here. And how do we track these officers? If there's an officer that's going around beating up black kids or shooting black people, shouldn't they be on desk duty or shouldn't they be patrolling? whatever the Pasadena version of Beverly Hills is? 
Right. Uh, well, uh, I think that, again, that's a great question. And, and while I'm somewhat limited because the fact that the lawsuit has been filed, let me say with great confidence that uh, we have a very robust internal affairs process, which includes uh, tracking officers' conduct, whether good or bad. And at the end of the day, the reality is is that if the officer you described a moment ago uh, is accused of misconduct, then we're prepared to investigate that accusation. Do you want to comment on that? Well, we... I think what we need more of in Pasadena is uh, Pasadena has a lot of outlets where people can complain. They can go to the NAACP uh, and file uh, uh, complaints against the police department. That mechanism has been set up. That They can go to City Hall. Uh, very few people go and make those complaints. And people are encouraged when they call our office, when they go to the NAACP and say, this has happened to me. People are encouraged to make those complaints. Yeah, but we know there's a lot but of reasons that people don't, and one of them being particularly in a smaller town. Retaliation. Retaliation. Intimidation, because Because they are scared. But what has been worked on a lot has been the department getting with groups, getting with people who have had these complaints, and saying, hey, we are willing to listen to you to look into this. Our last chief was the first chief in the United States that we could find on record who actually went before the community and said, I apologize for all of the injustice done to minorities since Jim Crow. You know, it's interesting you mentioned apologies because I know, Chief Sanchez, you met with the family, apologized for the loss of their son. And the attorney told me that at that time you said that you didn't know about Carillo's misstatements or lies and they found out later that you guys did have that knowledge, so they felt that there was a, a breach of good faith there. Mm -hmm. What's your response to that? Well, I, first of all, it was uh, a heartfelt uh, um, apology for the loss. I, I don't think that there's anybody that can imagine, unless you've lost a son or daughter to violence, uh, regardless of the type of violence that, it, that, that caused the death. I don't think that there's anything uh, well, worse in the world. Mrs. Slaughter gave her son life. Uh, you know, she, 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 she breathed and birthed uh, uh, Kendrick into this world. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the pain that, that was associated with that. I had the opportunity uh, to look deep into uh, Mrs. Slaughter's eyes and look into Mr. McDade's eyes. I understand uh, the, 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 the hurt that was associated uh, with, the, uh, with the shooting and ultimately where we're at today as a community. Um, and the reality is, is that uh, uh, what I told uh, Mrs. Slaughter and uh, Mr. McDade is that uh, when I had verifiable information and if our investigation had turned a corner, that they would hear from me personally. And the follow-up story on that is simply this. Uh, I called uh, Mr. McDade and Mrs. Slaughter, and I had to talk uh, through uh, through their attorney, which is something I understand and appreciate because it's it's the process of representation. Uh, but ultimately, uh, ultimately, I had a chance uh, to talk uh, with uh, Mrs. Harper and uh, share with them uh, what we knew uh, about the investigation, how it had turned a corner, where our focus was at now. And Mrs. Harper indicated that she would share that with Mrs. Slaughter and Mr. McDade. So uh, my assumption is, in fact, she did. The um, well, we do have some calls. Would you would you guys be open to taking some phone calls from our our KJLH family here? Sure. Um, but you in um, you mentioned Andre Coleman, and you know, and your role as a reporter as well as the editor, deputy editor at the Pasadena Weekly. That you know. 
the community has these outlets, the NAACP, City Hall, that you know that we do have outlets, which are the same in every city. But what, I guess what we look for is changes in policy or changes in attitude. In um, you know, we've been through this process with the LAPD. I, I believe the sheriff's department, uh, LA County Sheriff's Department, is undergoing a lot of scrutiny right now. In in the civil case. Uh, uh, Carrie Harper, the attorney, names a lot of specific cases. She she talks about the 2006 case um, where a young man named Damien Esteem was uh, was beaten by police in front of his his children. She talks about a 2005 case uh, where three teenagers were um, were beaten up. She talks about um, the fact that in both of those two matters, there was a detective Keith Gomez involved. And she states, and I'm quoting here, Gomez has been directly responsible for multiple controversial killings of young black men in Pasadena, yet Gomez was the chief's choice to investigate this controversial officer-involved shooting. Well, the first thing I would say to that is that since somewhere around 2005, 2006, there have only been on record four to five officer-involved incidents where African-American young men lost their lives, four to five. In Pasadena. In Pasadena. Keith Gomez um, was involved in three of those incidents. In one, he was fired upon, he returned fire. In another, he was at the scene while other officers dealt with the situation which did bring about the young man's life. We can't put him, and I investigated and covered all of those incidents, you can't put him right there in that situation. He was one of the officers at, you, at the scene, but you're saying he can't be directly linked to the death? Well, he can't be directly linked to, linked to the death. There was a young man who had cocaine in his mouth who refused to spit it out, and one of the officers placed him in a chokehold. He wasn't the officer who placed him in a chokehold. So we can't link him directly to the death. He was on scene. Right, well, I think, yeah, I mean, I understand happened. what you're saying. You look at Rodney King, all those officers right. had varying degrees of right. disciplinary action. What my job is, is to report fact. What we are getting right now is the majority of the community wants rhetoric to stop. They want facts, but they want the family. 30 phone calls this week, and all of them have been, right now we need to allow this family to bury their son in peace. And the questions will still be there next week. Well, Kenneth McDade was on this show yesterday, and he, he did say he wanted to bury his son in peace, but he also said he wanted answers. He wanted justice. He wanted thorough, thorough investigation. And I think, you know, when we hear stuff like this, it, it does raise questions. You wonder, who's invest? Is it a case of the fox over the hen house? You know, is this, how do we know it's going to be fair? You know, not to compare you to this person at all, but right now, Sheriff Joe Arpaio of Arizona is in the news for refusing an oversight. Is that something you would be open to, oversight of the department, if it was found to be warranted? Well, I think the first thing we need to look at is what are the layers of investigation? And ultimately, will those layers of investigation uh, confirm openness and confirm transparency? I believe they will. Uh, when we had uh, a shooting in 2009, we had the Office of Independent Review come in. This is not the first time that we've experienced this in Pasadena. I think that what's not been lost here, though, is that that, uh, that attempt to uh, reach out uh, wasn't driven by political uh, um, opinion. It wasn't uh, driven by uh, public outcry. It was something that I initiated early on, in part because I wanted that extra coverage. I wanted that extra probe. I wanted to show the citizens of Pasadena that we were open to whatever the issues were in Pasadena relating to that shooting. 
Okay, let's go to Marcus calling us from L.A. Hi, Marcus. You're on the front page with Chief Philip Sanchez and Deputy Editor Andre Coleman. Welcome. Hello? Hi, Marcus. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Well, I was wondering if there were any type of psychological testing testing that these candidates go through before becoming police officers. And do they continue that trend or what? Or... Yeah, I got, I got it. So, yeah, what is the psychological testing that officers undergo? And I think, for me, more relevant is the updates on that, because I think what, how you are before you become a cop and deal with that daily stress and how you are after, you know, dealing with that daily stress might be two different things. Uh, good morning, Marcus. Thanks for your call. I think it's a great question. Uh, when the officers are hired uh, at the Pasadena Police Department, uh, they go through an extensive background process, and part of that background process is uh, a psychological review. Uh, uh, also, uh, part of that process uh, is that they sit down with me personally, uh, and I interview each and every applicant for police officer to make sure that they're a good fit uh, in Pasadena. And and what I mean by fit is that they can serve a community, a diverse community with integrity uh, and, and with dedication, somebody that's passionate about the job. I don't typically ask very... Um, uh, in my estimation, I don't ask typical questions during that process. And while I wouldn't want to give the process away completely, I ask a question like, you know, what do you value more to the candidate? Do you value, uh, you know, transparency uh, over competency or competency over transparency and why? Those kinds of questions, I think, help give uh, give me some insight to the candidate. The short story simply is, is that uh, we do uh, provide uh, psychological uh, screening for each applicant who moves through the process. Okay. Uh, oh, you wanted to add on, Andre. Go ahead. I know nothing about the process. Oh, you're moving to, toward the to mic. So. Okay, let's go to Ken calling from Pasadena. Hi, Ken. You're on with uh, Chief Sanchez and Andre Coleman. Welcome. Ken? Yes. You're on the air. Yes. I, my question for you is, um, for the chief, is, uh, one, why was the recording device on the uh, uh, police vehicle not on? Two, why, how do you answer allegations that uh, Kendrick was allowed to die while trying to communicate while lying in the street? And three, how many African-American officers are on the force? Okay, got it. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for your call, uh, Ken. Uh, there, there's uh, a, a couple of things that I can't answer. Uh, I can't talk uh, uh, too specifically about the response. In, in fact, I would I would ask for your patience in that regard as we continue to move through the investigation in, in ORI. When you when you say response, you're talking about the videotape. Yes, ma'am. I, I believe I had read you quoted saying that they didn't turn on the sirens. That's correct, and it is uh, that is uh, associated with uh, the onboard uh, video camera. Uh, I, I don't want to elaborate much more than that, though. Uh, at this point, in, in fact, because the lawsuit has lawsuit has been filed, and I think that that's one of the uh, uh, key points in in the. Uh, in but in the terms document. of policy, I mean, anytime it's a you know a serious incident, they they should be videotaping, right? I mean, we had an LAPD officer call here yesterday and say that. He didn't understand why they wouldn't be videotaping if the car was equipped with a video equipment. It is equipped with a video camera, and the camera is tied to the emergency response mechanism. So, um, again, I would uh, I would wait to see where we go with the investigation. Uh, Ken, I'm sorry, the, the last part of your question was, oh, how many black officers do we have on uh, Pasadena? 
Uh, we have quite a few. Uh, I, while I don't know the exact number, uh, let me say that we have uh, African Americans at the highest level of the Pasadena Police Department. Uh, my, my deputy chief, the number two in charge, uh, is an African American male. Uh, we have uh, lieutenants, uh, including my adjutant, Palante Riddle, who is African American female, born and raised in Pasadena in the Altadena area. So we, we have those kinds of um, uh, people who uh, are very talented and uh, are employed at the department and have been promoted and have moved through the organization since I've arrived. Um, hold on a second. Can, uh, does that answer your question? Oh, you still didn't answer my question okay. regarding the, uh, the, the, the child lying in the street handcuffed while trying to communicate to the officers. A lot of people have asked, you know, and witnesses have said that they weren't, they weren't, they didn't assist him. Right. So what we know uh, for a fact is, is that the uh, paramedics were called uh, very, in very short order, uh, seconds after uh, the officers had made contact uh, with Mr. McDade. Uh, the paramedics were contacted and, and ushered into uh, to the um, uh, emergency scene. Okay, thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Florence from Carson. Hi, Florence. You're on. Florence? Yes. What, what's going on with everybody? Hi, Florence. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. Uh, yes, I'm curious. Um, how is it justified? Because it's very clear that the police department uh, acknowledges that the initial caller um, who alleged that the young man had a gun was not telling the truth. And the police department has acknowledged that just by the initial charges against that gentleman. So I'm just curious how they are going to justify killing this teenager because they've already acknowledged that he didn't have a weapon. Well, so the officer, they're, they're, they're acknowledging that, that he didn't have a weapon because no weapon was found, right? And as far as we know, no laptop or any evidence of this burglary alleged burglary have been found either, right? Uh, that's correct. And Florence, thanks uh, for the call and question. Uh, what we know is is that there actually was a crime that was committed that night. How, uh, how do we know? Uh, we know that because uh, Mr. Carrillo stated uh, on, the, uh, on the 911 dispatch tape that uh, two young men had stole his backpack and computer. But we know he's a liar, so why would we believe that he said that, especially if we haven't found a laptop or backpack? And I think some of his property was recovered. The backpack, I believe, was, but the but the laptop computer is still outstanding. We know that in part because of uh, the photos that we've seen uh, taken from a private camera system uh, at uh, Summit in Orange Grove uh, when uh, when the incident initially occurred. And because we recovered a backpack, how do we know it was <laughs> stolen? <laughs> I mean, people leave their stuff. College students leave their stuff laying around, or you know what I mean, all the time. How do we know that that? There was a crime committed. Well, we know there and was... We, and, and we for sure don't know that Kendrick had anything to do with it, right? Right. Uh, what we know is is that the, uh, the, the circumstances of the event uh, were captured uh, by camera, uh, by voice tape, and then ultimately put together by passing the detectives and submitted to the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office juvenile section, who ultimately filed four counts against the minor. Uh, we know a crime occurred. Uh, two counts of commercial burglary, one count of um, um, grand theft, and one count of fail failure to report as a gang member. So there was a crime. That what you're talking about, the minor, you're talking about a 17-year-old that is in custody that we don't, it, that as far as I know, we don't have any convincing proof that Kendrick McDade had anything to do with that. 
Well, a crime was committed, right? You're saying, but we don't know that Kendrick had anything to do with that. Kendrick has no priors. Well, what we know is that there was, uh, like I indicated earlier, there were the photographs that were taken from the incident. Uh, Mr. McDade is in those photographs. It was captured by a private uh, photograph security system. Uh, and, and that information was presented in total uh, to, uh, to the district attorney's office and ultimately resulted in a filing against the minor. The minor in question that we're talking about is not Kendrick McDade. He's a 17-year-old who remains in custody at this time, right? Yes, ma'am. Andre, go ahead. Well, that's going to be, I think that will be an, an, the next big part of, that, of the story is who is this 17-year-old? How did they know each other? What was association there? Will he be tried as an adult? If the involuntary manslaughter charge does not go to Mr. Carrillo, will it come back to the 17-year-old? Another big part of the story that's coming up in the community is young people who are in that same age group are saying to us, why isn't anybody talking to us about what happened uh, to Mr. McDade and to Trayvon Martin because we are the demographic well, that, that is in fear here. Yeah, no, no kidding. But I, what I really hope is that we don't see a smear campaign against this uh, child, as we've seen with Trayvon Martin. I mean, you have white supremacist groups hacking into his email. You've got Martin. I mean, you have white supremacist groups hacking into his email. You've got, you know, total things that are totally irrelevant, like whether or not he was suspended from school, being brought up. And I, and I don't get the sense that that's going to happen just from talking to you. Uh, Chief Sanchez, but I, I really hope we don't see that. Isn't that a great observation? Uh, and, and, and back to one of your very first questions, uh, you know, what makes this different? We are Pasadena. That's what makes this different. We are transparent because we are, we are dedicated public servants who are trying to get at the issues and to help the healing process in a community that we serve. I feel like I need to say this because we're talking a lot about police shootings. I support cops. I support police. I know there are lots of police working under duress to keep the community safe. But as an African-American and as a mom... You, you know, I know you mean it when you say we are Pasadena, but as black people, we see people being shot in every city. I, cities we love, cities we run, cities we, you know, cities we built. And, and so it's hard to just kind of take that as a reason why, well, well, you know. Let, let me clarify what he has said here. The Pasadena Weekly, uh, to, to, to just bring it up, he spoke earlier about the case with the El Sereno 3, the, the kids who had the brawl with the police officers. We published the pictures of those kids with their with their injuries on the cover of our paper. When you talk about Leroy Barnes and and more, and those kids were cleared. I mean, they ended up being cleared. They were cleared. Yeah. When so you, so when you talk we can about, say they were beaten up for not committing a crime because they were cleared in that case. Right. When you talk about Leroy Barnes and Maurice Clark, the media in Pasadena. First off, we don't do tabloid. Sometimes some of us we walk right up to the line and it angers the police department. I've angered the police department. Okay, with, with my coverage of certain things. However, when he says that he does have accountability, I'm part of that accountability. It's Radio Free 102.3 KJLH, Compton, Los Angeles, Long Beach, and Inglewood. It's time for Steve Harvey, but we are going to go a little bit over. Steve doesn't mind. We have Pasadena Police Chief Philip Sanchez, and we have Andre Coleman, Deputy Editor of the Pasadena Weekly. And uh, we're just going to take advantage of, of this opportunity because this case of Kendrick McDade is riveting our community. Some uh, Jasmine Canick, who, who uh, works with us here, um, and she has her own website, has asked that the Pasadena Police Officers Association donate to the Bear 
burial of uh, of Kendrick McDade, and you know, not as an admission of guilt, but as an act of good faith. I think that would be astounding. I said yesterday, I would love to see not just Pasadena, but officers, organizations from all over Southern California make this gesture of good faith and say, you know what, we're not about, you know, killing kids. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. But instinctively, I think people move away from that when we get into situations like this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, the, the uh, Passing of Police Officers Association is an independent uh, uh, organization that, that uh, consists of, of course, uh, its own membership, which happened to be Passing of Police Officers as well. And, uh, you know, that is ultimately a decision of, of the board of directors of, of that association. I wanted to make a, 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 just a quick observation and, and then maybe a remark to uh, to your statement a moment ago that... Uh, uh, referring to, to many of our great uh, African-American leaders uh, across the nation and uh, and how they are police chiefs and they are doctors and they are lawyers and they are president of the United States uh, and uh, and remark on that as well. With respect to the crime that occurred at Summit and uh, and uh, Orange Grove, uh, what we know from, from uh, photography uh, evidence is that uh, Mr. McDade and the minor were in fact captured in that photograph and then ultimately it was presented as I indicated. Do we know do we know the relationship between Carrillo and McDade and, and the the one we're calling the minor? Yeah. I mean, we've heard in the press that they knew each other prior to. Well, or that I, they may have had I, right. run-ins before. Yeah, and I don't want to speculate what was in the mind of Mr. Carrillo. I'm sure that he'll make that known at some point, uh, either as a victim of a crime in, in his testimony or, or in court or however that might work. But if I may for a moment, I wanted to get back to uh, to your observations about, uh, you know, uh, our... our uh, formidable and, and very sophisticated uh, black leadership in this great country of ours. Uh, how is it that, that we continue to struggle with these kinds of uh, incidences? Police shootings are uh, really relatively uh, low in frequency and, and tremendously high in impact. Uh, and what's at risk is the trust with our community. What's at risk is, uh, you know, uh, those kinds of uh, relationships built on respect that, we, that we've that worked so very hard to establish. But there's, I think, uh, an underlying question here as well. Uh, since uh, the shooting on the 24th, uh, we've had four in shootings uh, in Santa Monica, uh, in uh, excuse me, in Pasadena and in Altadena, uh, and those uh, primarily have been young black men shooting young black men. And isn't one of the questions that we're faced with today as a society, as adults, isn't one of the questions we're faced with is, how do we change that environment? How do we, as, as a, a, a caucus of black leaders uh, or, or Latino leaders, how do, we, how do we change that environment to create hope for our young people so that they don't feel like they need to shoot one another? Well, and, and change the environment within police departments so that the, you know, so the community and the police can work more in partnership. I think we've moved that direction here in Los Angeles. One of the most troubling things about this particular case is the fact that one of the officers shot from a moving vehicle, um, which, you know, traditionally we call that a drive-by. Um, in the Devin Brown case, the officer here in Los Angeles, the officer said that he felt the moving car that the child was in represented a weapon, and that policy has been changed. But what are the what are the policies around shooting from a moving vehicle for an officer? Right. So what we know is that the vehicle was actually northbound on the street. 
and either had uh, completely stopped or was slowed. Uh, and I take issue with the fact that it's, it's termed as a drive-by. It's not a drive-by shooting. The reality is this is a professional law enforcement officer who has had training uh, and, and uh, those kinds of things in that application. But it's unusual to shoot from a car, isn't it's a, it? It's a tactic. And, and, and the reason it's a tactic is because law enforcement officers don't get to pick and choose the environment that they might use lethal force. Uh, that's not. It might be in a rainy day. It might be in a cloudy day. It might be at 12 noon. I don't know. Those are environments that are dictated by the totality of circumstances. What I know, though, is in a drive-by shooting, typically that's predatory behavior of young people or old people, whoever the, uh, the perpetrator might be, that fires in indiscriminately without concern to who they might hit or, or what the consequences might be. Nothing could be further than the description of what occurred uh, that night with Mr. McDaniel. And, and we can call ourselves armchair officers or what have you, but a lot of people say, why, you know, why not shoot him in the leg? Why a lethal shot? And that's that's another great question. Law enforcement officers uh, uh, aren't taught to shoot to kill. Uh, what law enforcement officers are taught is to shoot to stop the threat. Uh, and uh, ultimately, uh, that that is how they apply force. And might I add also uh, that uh, it is the law uh, and, and our Constitution that governs how lethal force is used. And ultimately, that will all be, again, reviewed by multiple layers of, of, of investigative entities. Okay, I'm going to um, I'm gonna go to the phones, and maybe we can just do short answers. We're over time. I so appreciate your candor, responding to the callers, and coming here to tell your side of the story. A lot of folks would not do that, and we really do appreciate that. Um, Sarita from L.A., I need a really short version of your question. Yeah, I just wanted to ask the young man um, and the chief. The fr first question is to the young man when he said in the city of Pasadena there's only been five African-Americans killed. Well, five is too many, sir. That's just too many for us, for, okay, for the community. It. And the, the second one for the chief is he said that he's the, fir he's the first one to offer an apology. Well, that's just a civil duty, not just as an officer, but as a person. Got it. Well, some people don't do it because of liability mm -hmm. issues, right? Because right. they don't want to be found liable in court. Um, she's responding, Andre Coleman, to, well, to your question. My point was over the amount of time. I mean, there are communities who have multiple officer-involved shootings every weekend and every day. But when you look at the number of officer-involved shootings that Pasadena has per year, it's less than one per year. So when somebody says that an officer is, is responsible for countless deaths... I, I understand Serena's point. She's, she's a mom. Uh, I'm, so, a, I'm a parent, so but as a mom, one is too much. Uh, and I, but as a reporter, I'm dealing with fact. When you say that there, when a lawsuit says that there have been multiple deaths, that an officer is responsible for multiple deaths, and I look at what we have over five years, then those two don't match up. That's my point. Eric from Pasadena, I need the really short version. Eric, Eric from Pasadena, paging Eric from Pasadena. I'm right here. Good morning. Uh, my question is to the chief. Is it part of your policy and procedure that when young black males are pulled over, the first question that you guys ask is, do you have drugs and guns in the car? Because recently I was pulled over, and, and that, that's a question that I was asked. And if I was an older white male, I don't think a question like that would have been asked. Did you have drugs so and guns in the car, Eric? Of course I did. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. But that's the system of racial profiling that goes on here in Pasadena. And, and that's my question for the chief. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. 
So, Eric, thank you for the question. Uh, we don't uh, engage in uh, racial profiling. In fact, if there's misconduct by the officer, I would ask that you call me directly at uh, 744-4545, and, uh, and I'll take that concern, and uh, I'll investigate your, your complaint. Uh, but we don't engage in racial profiling. My officers uh, stop people for legitimate reasons, and if there is misconduct, we investigate that. Have you ever found an officer to be uh, out of policy by profiling? As you know, here in the city of Los Angeles, we had the first uh, time, time ever that an officer was found to be racial profiling, like last week, which is pretty astounding. So have, has that ever been found in Pasadena? In other words, the, of all the complaints that are made, are any of them found to be legitimate? Well, yeah, uh, I think you're asking our, our, our officers... Because everyone uh, says they don't yeah, do it, you're, right? Yeah, you're, you're asking. I, I think the question is, is uh, uh, have officers been disciplined yes. for misconduct? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. There, was, there was a case several years ago, and I'll be brief, where an officer was bringing a suspect into the, the jail, and he told his trainee to attack the prisoner, that he was going to have to fight the prisoner. And you know what? It was caught on tape. He was fired. And it, was, and it was put right out to the press immediately. As he should be. As he should be. Uh, Although the union got him his job back. Well, that's a whole other show it for sure another is. day. Uh, it's five, it's 6-11. We have to uh, pass the microphone to Steve Harvey. But um, Chief Pasadena Police Chief Philip Sanchez and Deputy Editor at the Pasadena Weekly, Andre Coleman, thank you for being with us. Chief Sanchez, I'm going to give you the last word. What would you leave us with? Uh, well, my, my, my last word would, would be uh, I would ask for patience, uh, that I know that information uh, sometimes appears not to be uh, as readily available as our community would like. Uh, I have a process that I'm going through. Uh, there are at least four or five multiple layers of uh, independent review, ultimately that will get at the truth uh, and will get at the facts of what occurred. Uh, every aspect uh, will be investigated uh, by, by one or multiple entities, including my own review of that. So I would ask uh, for uh, patience. I would ask to let the process uh, take its course, that there is going to be information, some rumor, some rhetoric, some fact, uh, but ultimately uh, that we will get to the truth. Uh, my commitment is to Pasadena. My commitment is to our rich society and Pasadena, our rich, diverse society. I know you don't mean wealthy. <laughs> As you know, this is the age of Mitt Romney. We have to clarify uh, exactly. these things. Uh, rich in culture, rich in history. Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, uh, we, will get, we will get to uh, the facts that occurred. We will get to the truth. And I hope that you'll check in with us again and keep us updated uh, on this case. Thank you for the opportunity. Chief Sanchez, morning. I appreciate it. Andre Coleman, we can keep track of what you're doing at PasadenaWeekly.com. That's right. PasadenaWeekly.com. We'll have that posted up at KGLHradio.com. A big, giant thank you to Jackson Limousine for their help over the past couple of days. We got to go. As you go on your way about your day, we'll take a quick moment uh, just to say, in the words of Jim Brown, we affirm ourselves in the following way, taking a deep breath in. And releasing. Today, let me remember success is a journey and not a destination. Till next time, Radio Free Family, be well. One love.